0: calling me saying, oh, this was so great, and I'm excited about that, and uh, excited to know more about freedom and wholeness and relationships, and so I think this morning we are going to have a real blessing with a testimony we by are by Asia, and then she and uh, Jonathan are going to give our message.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Elaine, so much. I don't need that, right? Okay, I don't need that, yeah. Asia? Yeah, I just said it somewhere you can find it. So yeah, good morning. It was, it's, here we are. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan, and it's been so, I think, valuable and really transformative. Already the last couple of weeks, it was, we've been looking at this, the, the, the at Cross Current and the theme of how God wants to address us in the areas of sexuality and relationships. And last week was so powerful. If you, if you weren't here, got to listen to that message that our friend Marco brought It was was such a great encapsulation of God's heart and the gospel and how to walk this out. And so we're going to dive into that some more today. We're talking about today, coming clean, the cross and confession. And a lot of times when it comes to sexuality, it's an area where we don't feel very clean. But it's actually the place where God, where when we are lined up with God, it's where we can feel the most clean of any area of our life. And that's what God has for us. But oftentimes, we get in the way of that, and I was thinking about a time when I was a kid, and I was in my parents' bedroom, and I, there was this bronze little sculpture of a giraffe that was on their dresser, and I grabbed it and picked it up, and I broke a little leg off of it, and I didn't want to get in trouble, so I took that little piece and propped it under the, the giraffe body and hoped that someone else would tap it and think that they had broken it, <laughs> you know, get a good logical plan. But it didn't work out, my, my dad called his kids into the living room for a family session to see who broke the draft, and everybody denied it, including me. And you know, he, he, he tried to figure out, and he, it was pretty obvious, I wasn't a very good liar, I think it was pretty obvious to everybody that I was the one that did it, but I refused to admit it. And I still got punished for doing it, and even after my rear end hurt pretty bad, I still didn't admit that I had broken that giraffe. And I remember, in that moment in my life, just this feeling of, you know, I hope I can move on, but I felt like something kind of died in my heart. Like there was a deadening, that like, I hope I can like be okay despite this lie that I'm hiding, but I, I knew that I wasn't. I knew that that was affecting me. And that's kind of the story of all of us. There's stuff that we hide, And it it does affect us. This goes all the way back. We're going to look at the the first sin of our ancestors, Adam and Eve. And we see this pattern of of how it works out. In, In Genesis 3, verse 6, we read, So when the woman, the first woman, Eve, saw that the tree that God had told them not to eat the fruit from, when she saw, from her perspective, that the tree was good for food, it looked good to her, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired, to make one wise, Sure sure looked good. Had a lot of appealing things drawing her. She took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So there's, there's this pattern from the beginning. Adam and Eve sinned, and then Adam and Eve tried to cover up where they felt something wasn't right. It's interesting it was in the area of their sexuality that they especially felt the effects of sin in their person. And they tried to cover that up because they felt that something was wrong. That's what shame is, the sense that there's something wrong with me. So they sinned, they tried to cover up, and then they hid from God. And isn't that the pattern that we each follow? We sin, we try to cover up, and we hide. It goes on, and we read that, Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. Imagine what their feelings were like at that moment. Oh, shoot. Here comes God. There is this. Is, everything is not okay. They heard the sound of God walking, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they hid even more. Doesn't You know, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Trying to hide from God. But we do the same thing, right? We try to cover up and hide from God in ways that maybe we think are more sophisticated, but they're really pretty similar to this. But, there are a lot of great buts in the Bible. And this is one of them, right here. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And you got to love that. That here, They had violated their relationship with God. They'd been unfaithful to him. They felt that that relationship was broken. And they hid and covered up. And the sense was, oh man, it's not going to be okay with God anymore. But despite their sin, God pursued them. God came after them. And God comes after us. The stuff that does damage our relationship with God doesn't have to end it, because God is a God who works to overcome that distance, and to pursue us, and come near to us, despite our, our sins, despite where we are unfaithful, and we fall short. And so God came after them. Um, and there, there were consequences. Um, he, he, he found them. Um, he, we see, I'm not going to read all this, but they, it's interesting, they blamed each other. And so that's, a, that's one good way that's a little more sophisticated way than loincloths of, of hiding and covering up is we blame someone else, right? Oh, it was because of this circumstance that I did that. So that's what they did. There were consequences. But then it says in, in verse, verse 21, or ver, verse, uh, verse 21, yeah, it says, and the Lord God, after all, after he laid out the consequences for their sin, he said But the Lord God made for Adam and his, and his wife garments of skins, and clothe them. So God came to them. And he said, "You know, you're you're aware that you're naked now. There's shame. Those little fig leaves aren't going to work very well. But I'm going to make some clothes that'll do a better job of helping you um, in the interim." But what was more important here was it was a pr- it was that th- something had to die to make garments of skin. He had to kill an animal. There was a sacrifice. There was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice that that God was ultimately going to make for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us, to cover up our sin and our shame and reconcile us in our relationship to him. Um, and so that's ultimately, you know, all of our, our hope comes from, that all of our hiding, all of our dishonesty, it's, and it's really that's important, that hiding is a form of, it's, it's not being honest. And in any relationship, the, the level of depth of my relationship with someone else is directly congruent to the level of honesty and openness, openness there there is. The more I'm hiding, the more my inner conversation is not the same as my outer conversation, the less real relationship there is. But the more honesty and transparency and revealing of what's going on on the inside there is with someone else openly, that leads to real relationship, and that's true with us. And that's true with God. And so, Jesus, ultimately, the gospel is that God sent his son to bridge this gap. In and, and 2 Corinthians 5.21, uh, we're told that for our sake, he, God the Father, made him, speaking of Jesus the Son, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made a way that Jesus took our sin so that we might become The righteousness of God there's a way for us to to receive forgiveness and our sin taken away and God's righteousness come to us and so that's important but it's not but praying a prayer doesn't guarantee that we will live in that state of rightness there's it's it's interesting it says so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus It's available to us, but there's there's a response required on our part. And in in Proverbs 28, 13, it talks about what this response is. And we're told that whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The one who conceals their sins will not prosper, but if you confess and renounce them, you'll find mercy. I know is going to come up in just a minute and I'll tell part of her story that's, I think, going to be so helpful. And I think in my own life, that thing that had deadened in my, in my soul, I remember I carried that around for years and years. And I think the thing that really broke it was when I was in college, and I cheated on an assignment in a class. And after I cheated, I was really, I had started to really grow as a follower of Jesus in new ways. And I was just racked with conviction. Like, that was not right. I gave in to this temptation, and I should not have done it. And I just, I wrestled with that, but I knew I've got to confess this. And so I actually told a couple of my friends what had happened, and then I told them, hey, I'm going to go tell the professor. Pray for me. I don't chicken out. And then I went, and I told the professor. And he gave me an F on the assignment, and my letter grade dropped for that class. But I was so free. And I could tell that, man, I am, like, breaking free from that hiding and concealment that has been in my life. And, I've, and it's really changed me ever since. And so there are different ways that works out. Aja's going to come tell part of her story. So let's listen to what Aja's got.
0: Hey, if I don't know you, my name's Aja Banner. And that was my baby crying. Sorry about that. He's a little sick, so I don't want him to go to Kids Space and get anybody else
1: sick. And I didn't mention that Asia, yeah, she's got two sick kids today, and her dog, Luna, had eight puppies last night. Yeah, we've been uh, up so all, all night long. All night, <laughs> Bo's home, taking care of puppies and kids, and here. But Asia's it's okay, here, so.
0: running off of adrenaline here and coffee, yeah. so it's all good. <laughs> it's like I slept all night long. Um, So, yeah, my name's Aja. My husband's name is Bo. um, We'd love to meet you if we haven't yet, but I just want to give you a little bit of background about myself. Um, I gave my life to Jesus seven years ago, and um, since then, I've been just on this consistent cycle of the Lord dealing with deep-rooted issues in my life, like constantly. Um, And it's been difficult at times, and I've definitely dug my heels into the ground, you know, just prolonging the process like we all do. But over time, I've actually learned to seek out this process with God, and I've learned that it's good. Um, So, yeah, it's just so much better to invite Jesus into our mess and to let him bring life to us. And then he brings life to others through us when we allow him to restore us, you know, because hurt people hurt people and restored people help restore people. So just remember that. That's your takeaway for the day. So if you know me, you know that I am open about anything in my life. I will share anything about my past with you. I'll share what God is currently doing in me. um, You know, so that's just kind of like my life motto. Let's get real. Let's dig deep. Let's just go there. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. So that's just how it goes. And my friends, Hema, Jenny, like everybody makes fun of me because I'm the one in the group that's like, okay, guys, what is your deepest, darkest secret? (laughs) And they're like, okay, Aja, moving on. (laughs) So I just love vulnerability. um, I think it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, we get real through it. So today, let's get vulnerable. What do you say? Let's talk about porn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So I was exposed to porn my fifth grade year. And I was at a friend's house at you know, sleepovers, how that thing goes. Um, We were 10 years old, and her dad actually had a very deep porn addiction. And so basically, we were exposed to, like, everything, and we had access to everything that we wanted. So through that, through that exposure, it kind of led me down a quick path of becoming addicted to porn myself. And then um, I was exploring my sexuality at such a young age, at 10 years old already. And, you know, that is kind of the normal thing for kids. So once I got to college, this addiction had led me to places that I never thought that I'd go. I was getting a little deeper and a little weirder into this addiction with each click, if you will. Um, And after years of being desensitized and needing more to satisfy this lustful desire that I had, um, I had gotten into some videos that I felt completely crossed the lines of where I ever thought that I would go. Not only had I watched them, but I had found pleasure out of them. It was like this twisted love-hate relationship that I felt. I hated these feelings. I hated these thoughts. I hated that I was doing this but I felt like I had no control over it anymore. Like it was, it literally felt like a puppeteer had control of my fingers, you know, and it was just like video after video after video. And afterward, I felt some of the most gut-wrenching shame that I have ever felt before, like ever. Mm. So I was obviously very embarrassed about this and ashamed, and I vowed to myself to never speak of these moments ever again, or ever. Um, You know, I, I didn't even think about them. I didn't wanna talk about them. But thankfully, when I gave my life to Jesus seven years ago, viewing porn was one of the big areas that he put his finger on in my life. And so much of my identity before knowing Jesus stemmed from my sexual history and my broken relationships. But amazingly, once I gave my life to Jesus, I made these drastic choices to just live differently. I stopped dating around, I stopped having sex, I stopped viewing porn, and I guess I kind of assumed that repenting of, you know, porn, like this porn addiction encompassed everything that I had ever done or watched in those 12 years of having this addiction, right? Like we just think, okay, yeah, I've repented, it's gonna go away. but it was an idol, you know, and there's, there was a lot to it. So I didn't realize how, ex- how these extreme images were still affecting me and hurting me so much because I had never talked about them before. And last weekend, if you were here, Marco even talked about this in his message. He talked about um, coming to Jesus and ad- addressing our sin with him with specificity, like being very specific about our sin um, with Jesus and other trusted believers. So, last semester, I'm sure you've heard us talk about living waters here, but I was going through this um, small group, like very intensive program, and it has the goal of healing all areas of life, but specifically helping to heal areas of sexual sin. So, I was going through this and um, I was with like small groups of men and women, but we would break out and um, women would get together and talk like vulnerably. So one evening, someone was sharing their testimony about confessing our sin and bringing it to the cross of um, Jesus. And she said, are we going to go there and completely expose it, or tell ourselves that it's really not that bad? Are we going to kill it before it kills us? And that broke me. It was like these memories just flooded back into my mind, and I, like I had forgotten about them. You know, or maybe I just chose not to think about them. I think that's more what it was. But God in his goodness, he finally brought these memories to the surface. I couldn't run from them. I couldn't bury them anymore. I had to face them. And so, you know, I'm doing what you do when, like, you're convicted about something. I'm, like, sweating. (laughs) Like, moving around in my chair. Very pregnant at this point in time. And I just felt like I was dying, honestly. I hated the feeling. I hated the thoughts. Like, again, it was like this thing, ag- again, from what I used to feel. And, guys, I hadn't even told my husband about this. And we had been married for four years. Like, uh, we share everything with each other. I hadn't even told him because I felt that dirty about this. Um, but I knew I needed to kill it before the shame killed me. So during our small group ministry time, I knew I needed to share and i sorry, I needed to share and confess. um, And it's just like funny because I'm the vulnerable one. I'm the one who's open about everything in life. But here I am just like I can't say it. I can't get it out. And so I literally sat there with my face in my hands and just like bawling like the hardest I've cried in such a long time. And I was just saying, you guys, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You'll never see me the same way again. (sighs) Like, I just felt like it was so awful. And this is how I know how to explain it to you guys. It literally felt like like back when I realized that I was a sinner for the first time and that I needed to repent and give my life to Jesus. It felt like that much weight and guilt that I had been holding on to with this one sin. And I didn't even realize it. So these women, they stood by me, and I could sense that they were safe, so I finally confessed and prayed out loud, and I repented and asked for God's forgiveness, and these amazing ladies comforted me, they prayed for me, and literally, they they put water in my hands, like, they kind of had to pry my hands away from my face to, like, put water in my hands to signify that Jesus was washing me clean of this sin, of this dirty secret, really, like Jesus was washing me clean from it. And I was finally free. And it took a while to realize that, but I was finally free. So uh, this week, I've been thinking about how my life has changed since I confessed to the sin a little over eight months ago. And I realized that I genuinely feel free from my past that used to taunt me, like, do you underst- do you know what I'm talking about? Like, something that just taunts you, it just keeps coming back up and just, like, nags you. It's awful. It's such an awful feeling, but I feel free from it. Um, specifically, I haven't had any perverted sexual dreams anymore, and I feel free from, um, like, this, the feelings of lust and, t- and temptation. I feel like I have more control over that. Before, it was such a battle to gain ground over the spirit of lust. Um, but now it finally feels like a chain has been broken, and I'm not a slave to this sexual lust anymore. And the crazy part about this, guys, is that I made an ungodly vow to never speak about this. And it was like one of my most shameful sins that I had ever committed, and I just buried it deep inside of me, a.k.a. I let it make a home inside of me. That's what we do, like when we bury it. It's It's there. So I didn't, you know, like even realize that something this deep and dark was still nagging at me, even seven years after giving my life to Jesus, right? So I'm just so thankful that God, like, continues to bring stuff up and continues to deal with these things to heal us. Um, And I believe that, you know, we all may have something waging war with us, and I think God is really wanting us to kill it before it kills us or before the shame kills us and in John 5 this is a a verse that I've been dwelling on over this past year especially through living waters in John 5 Jesus goes to an area where a large number of disabled people used to lie one man who was there had been invalid for 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time Jesus asked the man do you want to become well And I think this is the question that Jesus is asking us today and every day. Do you want to become well? Do you want it? Because I have it for you. Maybe you've never let Jesus in before, or maybe you're like me, and you just don't realize how deep sin goes, like how deep your own sin goes, right? But he will be faithful to bring those things up and deal with with it, and he will make us well, guys. Um, That's a promise. And so we no longer have to operate from a place of shame and fear, but Jesus literally, like, takes the crown back from the enemy and places it back on our head and gives us the control and power in our, in our lives again. Um, and the coolest thing about this is he makes, um, like, these moments where we receive forgiveness and, like, find healing. He makes it to where we can then share with other people and bring healing to other people. Like, if it weren't for this one woman sharing about her deep, dark sin, um, I probably would have never gone there in my own heart and and in my own life, you know? And so that's the beautiful thing about this is Jesus frees us from the shame to where we can, like, now just go and, like, say, yeah, this used to be in my past, but I'm free now, and you can be free too. And um, so that's what I wanted to encourage you guys with today. So thank you for listening. And Jonathan's going to come up and, yeah, share, continue to share the rest of the message.
1: All right. That's <laughs> Thank you, Aja. Thanks for being vulnerable and open for the sake of all the rest of us. And I was just sitting there, you know, thinking it's kind of obvious, like, okay, where do we go next? This isn't a theoretical message, like, what do you think about transubstantiation? There's some like esoteric theological deal. This is very, okay, what am I going to do with confessing my sin? That's really where we're at today. And the, the goal is that we would, th- this may be dramatic, but really that's not the goal. The goal is that we would embrace to a lifestyle of trusting Jesus and living openly with him as a lifestyle of, of confessing our sins to him and to others so that we can come clean and stay clean and live in the freedom that God has for us and the purpose that he has for us. And so I want to just look at a couple passages of scripture that break this down even a little bit more and and walk through this. So in 1 John 1, starting in verse 5, helpful if I was in 1 John instead of 1 Peter. Actually. Okay. 1 John 1.5. We read, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We could say, in him are no secrets at all. If we say We have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, while we walk with secrets, while we walk hiding things, concealing things, staying in the dark. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. That's what I was saying earlier. The level of relationship with God and others is directly related to how open we are, how truthful we are about our lives. But the flip is true. Good news. If we walk in the light, if we walk openly, honestly if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So there's a promise. But if we bring stuff into the open Jesus' blood and we trust in him, his blood cleanses us from all sin. Ah, so good. Not just you know some sin or sin up to this bad But not beyond, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Okay? So there's a contingency there. It's contingent upon us coming into the open, confessing our sin to God and to one another. It's interesting that it says there, it doesn't say we have fellowship with God. It says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Because it affects both dimensions, both the vertical and the horizontal, how we're, how we're living this way. Um, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. <laughs> they're just like, cut through all of your crap, you know, they're like, oh, I'm good. It's like, no, if we're saying we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We all, and that's kind of encouraging, too, in that this isn't to say that, like, that we will live a life without sinning. This is not saying that you have to be perfect and not stumble, not make mistakes. So it's not perfection, but it's living in the light. That is the key here. Okay? So it's not like, oh man, I can't do that because then I'm like, going to fail. You know I know, like I've been stuck in this for 12 years or whatever it is. Like there's no way. But okay, if we come into the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin and we have fellowship with God and one another in the process of healing and transformation. Can really begin. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So good. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. He's just. Through His His sacrifice for us, He will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. <clears throat> so he is the one. Really our hope is in, it's, it's, it's not just some like natural thing or religious thing, but we're looking to Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. Saying, Lord, you died for me. I turn from this. I confess this. Would you forgive me and cleanse me? I want to look at one more passage here in, in James chapter 5. This is really interesting. I, I love this. James 5, we're going to start in verse 14. James writes and says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Okay? Yeah, amen. Like there's, we believe in healing for sickness around here. And we, I'm thankful that man God's protected us and brought a lot of healing in our life. And what I want to focus on here is that it doesn't say if you are sick, pray to God and ask him to heal you. It says call someone from the church and have them come pray for you. Like, well, why isn't my prayer just as good? But there's something, this whole way God made this is we are made to be interdependent with one another. And there are a lot of things, yes, we can pray, and God can not just heal us, and I've experienced that, and that's not saying don't pray for yourself, but There are a lot of things we can only receive through the prayer and the love of other people. And there are things that God is not going to give you until you humble yourself and go to someone else and ask them to pray for you and are open with them. There are certain, you know, when I I broke that giraffe as a kid, I prayed and asked God to forgive me. I was like, God, I hope this is, I really hope this is enough. But I knew it really wasn't. I knew that to really deal with what was going on, it wasn't just going to be enough to ask God to forgive me. But I needed to confess that to other people, and that's that's a reality. There are things we have to get from other people. Um, goes on and says, um, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's interesting. There's a connection here with it's not only physical healing, but even being forgiven of sins. We need other people's involvement and in prayer in our life to fully experience that and walk into that. Therefore. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. There's a, a healing. This is how this whole passage started out. There's something, we, we may be forgiven by God, but the healing in our life, the work of Getting rid of the stuff that's causing the problem and bringing God's wholeness and healing, that needs us to confess and other people to pray for us to come into that healing. And I love how it says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, man, a righteous person praying for us, that has great, really great power. Elijah goes on and says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So it's like, why is is he bringing Elijah into it? And this whole, like, story of it didn't rain for years, and then Elijah prayed, and it prayed, and Elijah was this famous prophet in the Old Testament. But the whole point of it is, Elijah was a man with a nature just like us. But he was one of God's people. And so he had authority. And his prayers mattered. And so you don't need Elijah. You need Fred. Or Joe. Or Sally. Or someone who's just a believer in Jesus. Their prayers on your behalf are powerful and effective. And our prayers, if we're righteous, we're under the blood of Jesus and walking with God, our prayers for other people are powerful and effective and produce great results. So... That's, I mean, clear, obviously, it's just so clear here that healing and freedom come when we confess it to one another. Um, there's something important about doing this eyeball-to-eyeball. Eyeball, the whole In Catholicism, there's this, the sacrament of confession where you, you go you know, behind a veil and you confess to a priest. And that is missing an important element of this. Because there is an element of looking someone in the eyes and confessing your sins to them, someone who knows you. Now, it doesn't need to be a thousand people. It needs to be one person, one or two people who you know and who are walking with Jesus and someone who will listen, someone who's hopefully overcoming in their own life, and they can listen, they can stand with you, they can pray for you. And the beauty of this, too, is I know, like when I confessed that sin to my friends in college, that there was, and this is so true with, with sexual sin, you know, I... I I remember seeing this model for me by a guy discipling me that he just said, hey, you know, this week I, like, found my eyes strained. I was just watching some, something on TV, and I found my eyes just looking a little too long. And I just want to confess that. And, and that, I saw, man, that's just so powerful. I practiced that. that we, but also when you know, like, I'm committed to a lifestyle of confession, it really helps you to say no to the temptation next time. When you're like, you know, I'm going to have to call Fred up. And tell him I did this. And he's going to be like, okay, did you really have to do that? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some, like, accountability in walking it out. And that just, like, is so powerful in helping us to overcome the patterns of sin in our life. So it's, that's, it's, it's better to do it with one or two trusted friends in, in private, someone who can help you, hold you accountable, or you can be accountable to. Um, and he'll help us help us walk this out. And, yeah. That's pretty much the gist of what I want to talk about today, is, man, God brings healing as we confess stuff. And so you may be here today, and you're like, man, i got a whole lot. Man, I'm, I'm under the power of sin. I'm under the power of sexual sin in this area, in this area, in this area. The, the invitation to you is to confess that sin to God and to a trusted person and then turn from it and turn to Jesus and trust him to forgive you and help you walk forward in the victory that he has for you. You may be like, Aja? And it's like, you know, I've done that, but there's like a certain area, I, I didn't even realize that was something, but it's coming in my mind now. You know, I, that's something I've kept concealed, but I need to confess that to somebody. And so our, really, to walk this out, I want to encourage you this week, to find somebody. Find a person or two that you can talk to. Confess that. Repent of it. Turn from it. And move forward with a, a lifestyle. This is really the lifestyle of being a disciple of Jesus. Of saying, Lord, I want to just keep, keep my, my heart clean before you. And our friends at Living Waters, they model this so well. I've learned a lot hanging out with them that they actually, the, the staff team prays together every day. And they are, I've been part of those prayer times. And they regularly they're praying this morning i had this thought and it just there was pride in it i want to confess that and it's helped i've like oh mean i'm coming i've come to a new place of doing that in my own life just seeing it's so important to to, to walk this out forgive us our sins lord as the, as the lord's prayer says as we forgive those who sin against us um you know maybe you've never committed to trust your life to jesus and be his disciple this would be a great day a great week to do that if you're here today and you're like you know I don't know who I could talk to. We are going to have a chance at, after our service is over that you can just come to the front and some of the, our members, the Mountain members, will be up here just to listen and pray with you. And you can take that step right here with a, a trusted person who will listen and pray with you. Um, or if you're just like, man, I can't wait. like i got to do this right now. There'll be a chance to do that. Um, but the norm, we really want to, the norm is, is to do that with, with someone in private and in your regular lifestyle and, and walk it out that way. Although a good test of have I really, like, has God done a work in me, is can I tell the whole world about this and be okay with it? Now, is there anything in my life that I wouldn't be comfortable telling the whole world about? Because when we experience real confession and real freedom, we realize, man, that is the past, and Jesus has forgiven me, And I that is a testimony of his forgiveness, and that's not on me anymore because Jesus took it away. So I'm just gonna pray for us, and we will move forward. Let's pray. Lord, we really do wanna just thank you that you are a God who who made us for so much and made us to live and in a place of freedom and purpose in every area of our life and that you made a way that's greater than our sins, greater than our rebellion, greater than our unfaithfulness. You made a way to forgive us and to restore us. Lord, thank you for for dying for us. Thank you for taking the price for our sins so that we could be transformed. And Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would you just clearly speak to every heart here, speak to every mind here, to know, Lord, what are you leading me to do? And I pray that you give us courage to trust you and obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.